Hey everyone, Mark and Steve here. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about Dare to Connect, our new online interactive video platform. For less than the cost of a therapy session, you and your spouse get live access to both of us three times a week. Each 30-minute live group support session provides interactive mentoring and healing for addicts, spouses, and couples. If you're loving our podcast and our unique style of bringing you recovery, you're going to love Dare to Connect. To learn more, go to daretoconnectnow.com. We're looking forward to seeing and working with you. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, Mark and Steve with you here on the PBSC podcast. Hello. We have a pretty pretty pointed topic we want to talk about today, a tough topic. Yeah. And yeah. as we as we kind of move into this topic, please understand uh, having brought addiction into our own marriages and put our wives through decades of hell, mm -hmm. we can absolutely relate to this and so uh, we have a very soft place in our hearts and, and a lot of a lot of tender feelings about this topic. So please know that we're coming from that place as we talk about it. Uh, we had a, a PBSC listener who recently wrote in to us, and here's what she said. She said, since learning that my husband of 44 years has been addicted to porn our entire marriage, a floodgate of emotions continue to wash over me. We're both committed to this union, and he is working very hard in recovery. My question involves, how do I trust and ignite my own healthy sexual expressions after years of dysfunction and taking care of a needy husband? Mm. Yep. Yeah, that's a, that's a really pointed uh, comment and question. Right. So 44 years of marriage, she finds out he's been using uh, porn and had his addiction the whole time, uh, kept it hidden from her. And now she, of course, has these these crazy overwhelming emotions hitting her all the time. Uh, but he is in recovery. He's apparently working it hard and they are committed to, uh, to their to their marriage relationship. But mm -hmm. she if, if I'm hearing her right, she wants to start to trust again, to, to, to let herself go, so to speak, to give herself over to a healthy sexual relationship. But how does she dare to do that? How does she even bring herself to do that with all these years of dysfunction and taking care of a needy husband? I'm assuming what she means by a needy husband is spent all those decades, you know, trying to meet his sexual neediness yeah. in their relationship. And now she wants it to be healthy. Uh, she wants to be vulnerable and authentic and transparent and uh, bring that to the to the sexual relationship after all that water under the bridge. 
-hmm. How in the world do you even try to navigate such a thing? And that's the topic of our podcast today. So yeah, so easy. easy so with stuff. that, take it away, Steve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've actually got some good stuff to cover. And as you know, these podcast episodes go quick. But uh, first thing that we just want to do is, as we do on probably almost every podcast we do, is just acknowledge that this is a crappy place to find oneself in. Yeah. Right? It just is. There's just no way around it. Um, you know, we most, well, I, I was going to say most, I don't think any of us sign up for a marriage or a committed relationship and say, gosh, I can't wait till, you know, I can make these hard decisions about having to learn to love again or open myself up sexually again after betrayal. Or, I mean, those are all just terribly horrible things that, that were, that you, you spouses are facing and, and, and the addict as well, even though it's a situation of their making, it's still difficult. And there are um, a lot of elements to that, you know, and, and I guess we have to kind of start with recognizing that, uh, what was before, in some respects, can't nor should it be again. Mm. Right? Now, yep. before we before anyone gets like doomy and gloomy about that, that <laughs> by no means that the relationship is over or that it can't thrive, we would actually make the argument the opposite argument. The your relationship, though we wouldn't recommend taking this route to get there, relationships that navigate recovery successfully. I argue would have a greater potential to have greater depth than, than those who hadn't gone through it um, or, or other issues similar that, you know, cause us to question things like trust or intimacy in a relationship. Um, I think that there's a real depth that comes from going through this process. And, and I found that while I, I definitely loved my wife before betrayal and my wife, is, we have talked about this often. She loved me before this whole mess happened right now that we're seven years into my sobriety and almost 10 years into recovery. And I know Mark feels this way too. And as does his wife, we have, we've, we've both discovered uh, of the four of us, I guess you could say that there is actually a better, there's a, there's a better way out there, right? Not only have we been able to quote unquote recover, but we've, we've also been able to evolve. The term recovery is almost kind of misleading. Right, mm-hmm. in this topic because we are recovering a lot and, and gaining back a lot of old ground but we're also gaining some new maybe better ground and so a lot of what we talk about today is going to be kind of trying to work now for a lot of you listening i know that's going to be hard to understand because i know that it's natural and we were this way too that you know this this marriage is broken and so i need to fix it and fixing it will make it back to what it was but the, but the thing is, is once you've gone down this trail trauma road, as we've talked about before, you can't untraumatize. We have to heal from the trauma. We have to move through the trauma. We have to move through the hard in our relationships and get to a, a deeper new place if the relationship is to move forward. If The more we t- try to spend time expending energy to make it back what it once was in every way, shape, and form, uh, I think the more will probably be disappointed. Yeah, that, yeah, that simply isn't a thing. So. Well, and and have you know as we and as we talk about this, please don't mistake those of you who are listening. If I could, you know, if I if I could do it different, would I? Yes, of course. I would never drag my wife through this hell if I if there was if there was another way to do it. Absolutely. So we don't we don't uh, we don't justify or rationalize that at all. But 
but we do talk about this, you know, Steve, you said this thing of coming through hard things as a couple and how that welds and binds and brings us together in ways that aren't possible otherwise. And that's many hard things. So for example, I know couples who have had the, the tragic situation of losing a child or more than one child, right? Absolutely hellish. Yeah. And they navigated through that and it brought them together in ways that are, that are quite astounding. I know couples mm-hmm. who have been through horrific health issues together. I know couples who have been through, you know, horrible, traumatic economic disasters, right? There's, there's many hard things that we can go through as a couple. Our history just happens to be that it was, you know, it was severe addiction. Mm-hmm. But, as, but as we come through that, um, there's, there's a number of choices that we have here. You know, so I'm, I have, I have a, a client in the past who said, I, I just don't know how I can be with my husband. You know, we've been married 30 plus years. Now that it's all come out, I don't know if I can ever fully give myself to him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said something really raw. I don't know if I can ever respect him again, knowing all of this now. And so, again, it comes back to try to go back and bring things back according to our original expectations and hopes and dreams. Deep, deep disappointment in trying to pull that off. We can't. The only choices we have now, and you and I, Steve, and our, and our, and our dear wives have been through this, we really just have three choices. You and I have a choice whether we're going to engage personally in recovery from addiction and how much we're going to give ourselves to that. Our wives had a choice whether they were going to engage in their own healing. And then the third choice is, is, is are we going to come together as a couple and, and try to, to work and heal and weld this coupleship? Those are your three choices at this point if all, with yeah. all this stuff that's gone on in the past. We can't go back and fix the original expectation or hope, which is hard. It's, it's really hard. The disappointment of that, the grieving process that you go through that you and I've talked about, mm-hmm. you're mourning the loss of something significant. Yes. Make no mistake. Yeah. But now if we're going to make these three choices and we're, and we do, and we, and we, and again, we don't have to, we can decide other, we can decide, you know what, this is just too much. This mm-hmm. coupleship, too much has gone on. There's been too much betrayal. It's too hard. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not making a choice to try to continue in this relationship. That is a choice that is open to all of us. Yeah. But if you decide to go forward, if you decide to, you know, to try to, to move through it, one of the things that you mentioned, Steve, as we started today that I thought was a beautiful analogy that, that uh, we both love is this, this, this Japanese art of kintsugi right? It's where the Japanese take these shattered bowls and they take those, those shards, those pieces, and they weld them back together, you know, using gold. I think it's primarily gold that they mm-hmm. use to, to weld those seams back together. And it creates these beautiful patterns in these shattered bowls as they bring them back together. And <clears throat> what was just a common ordinary bowl is now turned into an, a piece of art that's worth, you know, 10,000 times its original value. Mm, yeah. And it's just remarkable, this art of Kintsugi, right? This art of this turning brokenness into these, these works of art. And that's yeah. really, really what we're talking about with these relationships of ours, 
shattered and broken, but through, you know, through choosing to engage in recovery and healing and the mending of our coupleship, we now, we have this welding process that brings a strength and a beauty that goes far beyond the original perceptions and expectations and even hopes that we had. Yeah. Um, and I know for you, if, if you and I, we look at our marriage today, my wife and I say, you know, we kind of, we can be in a crowded room and we sort of look at each other and you have that look, that, that recognizable look as you look at each other and say, wow, what have, what we have been through? Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. But you cannot break us apart today. And so yeah. that's really what we're talking about. If you decide to continue in the relationship and work your own healing and your own recovery, this is, this is what you can move through and into is this wonderful welding and strength and beauty that, that you pick up the pieces from the brokenness. Yeah, no, we, 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 we talk about this analogy often in, in our practices and you and me together. And I, I, I really love it. You know, this concept of Kintsugi, it's, it's based on, if you look at where it comes from, it's, it really kind of uh, identifies one of the main differences between Eastern and Western culture, hmm. right? It's based on this premise that, you know, in Western culture here in the States, and I know we have listeners all over the globe, but here in the States, in more of a Westernized culture, there's a real tendency or trend towards new stuff, right? Yes. New, shiny, whatever. If it breaks, you know, just get another. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. replace replace it with something. If something gets cracked or broken or whatever, well, you just you hop on. And I can't. I probably can't say their name, right? That's probably bad. On a popular online retailer that will get things to you in two days or less, you <laughs> just get a new one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how we we tend to approach a lot of things. There's a mentality there. Eastern culture is the opposite. Uh, at least in this regard, right? I don't pretend to be an expert in Eastern culture, but the premise is, is that in Eastern culture, things actually grow with value with age, mm. right? The longer something is around, the more that it experiences, uh, the more value that that is gained, right? So a legacy is built off of not just how nice something looks, but what it's been through. Yep. And, and even though today's kintsugi is not as commonly done as it used to be in the old days, like, like you said, Mark, they would take these, the whole concept behind it is, is not just repairing what was broken, but it actually is creating something new and unique. And by going through those things, it actually gains value over time. Right. And, you know, and, and I like the analogy because you know, a relationship, doesn't it really look this way? What makes relationships really significant? Obviously good times, but every time we break, break something or we misstep and we fix it, or we, we cause harm accidentally or on purpose and we resolve it when we, as we stumble and fall and then pick each other back up, right? As these different cracks go through that piece of pottery, eventually what are you going to have up, have if you pursue that? You'll end up with a gold bowl, in theory mm-hmm. right so it's this idea that that you know there's actually this improvement and gr- and something to be gained through the heart now that's really tough to look at whether you're from western culture or when we're just looking at things emotional in general um and it's not to say again once again that this in any way means trauma is a positive experience 
But if we're talking about really being able to move on and give oneself over, right, addressing this concept, right, because a giving oneself over sexually, if it's done in a healthy way, also implies a giving oneself back over emotionally, right? Dropping that guard, not just physically becoming physically intimate or exposed with a partner, but emotionally as well. And so what this kind of moves us towards is, is before, you know, when we all got, what comes to mind for me is that if we, you know, when we all got in our relationships right off the bat, you know, most of us, I would say, probably use the term, we fell in love with each other. And I think that that's, there's kind of a misnomer to that, especially when you contrast what has to happen after betrayal. Because after betrayal, after trauma, after hard in a relationship, I think there's a lot less, quote unquote, falling and a lot, a lot more, quote unquote, choosing. Yeah. Choosing, choosing to love. Climbing. Yes. Right? Striving. Clawing for it. Fighting for Clawing it. Clawing for it. That's a good, good analogy. You kind of say if you, if you see a couple that have been together for decades and you can tell that they've just got something really special, you can be pretty darn sure they didn't fall there. Yes. Right. <laughs> they, they climbed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. And so it's, it, and so we have to kind of look at it through that lens, right? Love, love really is from, from a clinical standpoint, I would argue, and from an emotional standpoint in our experience is, is a, is an experience where if we really do love someone, we choose them. You choose them. Yes. Obviously every story is different, but I think generally speaking, it's probably a lot easier to quote unquote, be in love when you're brand new married and this relationship is newly minted, Right. And it's not been through tons of stuff and whatever. I mean, my wife and I oftentimes joke with each other because we, we really were naive when we got married. I remember thinking distinctly like these other people are morons. Like all these other idiots have gotten married before us. Like, why do they have problems? Like we're going to kill this thing. <laughs> we're going to, you know, kill. we've got this, like we're going to be a power this. couple that like educates these neophytes and <laughs> how to navigate relationships. Why would you ever, you know, we'd known each other for two years or three years before we got married. Like, I was like, we're, we're, we've got this, but then life happens and trauma and all the stuff that comes with it. And when, and, and that naivety drops away, any couple, I wouldn't say any, it's much easier to do that at the beginning, but when you've been through hard and you've experienced some life and you've been beat up, there is less of that. Yeah. Just kind of, Oh, we just found ourselves in this place of this happening organically. And we have to move to this place of what am I going to really choose here? Right. When the chips are down, when things are hard, what am I going to fight for? And this concept applies to addicts just as much as it does to spouses. Addicts, for you guys listening, how many times if you look back, have you found yourself or maybe even find yourself now waiting for recovery to like jump you in an alley, hold you down and make you recover? I've done that. You know, we're all kind of like waiting for it to happen to us as opposed to making this choice and saying that I am going to fight for this it's not my default speed anymore right to connect is not my default speed to be vulnerable is not my default speed to tackle hard things and to really expose myself to potential rejection and hard and hurt as an addict or as a spouse in a relationship where there's been a lot of pain is a choice but that's but how how amazing is that? It's one thing to look at a partner and say, "Oh, again, we've we've got this great relationship because it's brand new and it's never been through anything." But Mark, what you were talking about—that depth, that richness, 
only comes, I think, through hard things. Yeah. Yeah. And if, so if we talk about, uh, you know, our original question that the, the listener asked after, after the betrayal, you know, and in this case, you know, 44 years of betrayal, uh, how can we ever have healthy, healthy sexuality again? And really, I love your concept. It's about the choosing. And it isn't. And, and again, this healthy, this healthy sex as a couple is not in a vacuum. Yes. It isn't a standalone that you can put in a neat little box all by itself. It's about the ways that we're choosing on a daily basis to authentically engage with each other in many different small ways. Yes. It's that overall engagement and choosing to do so that allows us to travel this parallel path of entering back into, into healthy sexuality. It all goes together. It can't just be, you know, we want to have great sex again. Okay, what do we do, Mark and Steve, to have great sex again? Just give us the basics of that by itself. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's choosing to authentically engage in many ways with each other on a daily basis. And it's yeah. all part of that same puzzle. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's, let's talk real quick as, you know, as we, as we um, uh, kind of finish up with something that our listeners can do. What are some examples of how I can authentically engage with my partner on a daily basis so that I can begin to move into this healthy sexuality place? Yeah. I always start with, with, I, I always, my, my thinking usually default, I should say, to starting with the uncomfortable. Starting with the uncomfortable. Right. Leading out with the uncomfortable, uncomfortable and, and really put, choosing to put yourself out there in some small way. So go give some examples of what's, what is the uncomfortable? Well, the uncomfortable is, is, I mean, what would be a big one? And we've talked about things like this before, obviously, but in this regard, it would be, what's my biggest fear? My wife and I had a conversation, in fact, just this weekend Mm. over a topic we don't have time to get into today, but what it involved was addressing some real fears about some big life choices that were, that are Ah. coming for us. And they're life choices that overall are really positive and really good and that people get really excited about usually. But they are also, at the same time, they come with a lot of risk, a lot of investment financially and otherwise, and a lot of other things as well. And even though on the surface, I don't think anybody would, would want to question what those choices, what question those good things that come up in life, right, that we all are wanting and choosing to achieve this is hard to talk about without bringing up the subject but um while i think we all are wanting to do that some of sometimes it's harder to have the uncomfortable discussion about like okay well where where are the potential pitfalls you know where are the potential issues and so that that for me is is where i think real intimacy happens because i anybody can connect over just the positive right it's 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 getting into the tough stuff so like for example fears What's my biggest fear in this situation going forward? Um, and, and me as an addict in recovery, you know, I spent a lifetime covering over those fears, oh, not yeah. expressing, not being open, not being vulnerable. And so for me to actually start to voice what I'm afraid of, to admit that I'm afraid and to begin to talk about it openly, right? That's a big part of beginning to connect and have intimacy that, that can, that can then lead into healthy sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Beginning to talk about ways that, you know, I'm embarrassed, ways that I feel awkward, 
um, you know, starting, starting to become more transparent and authentic and an open book to my spouse yeah. instead of hiding and glazing over and going stoic. And, you know, all the little tactics that we've engaged with for so long. And then how do we go? Where do we go get our open space, our authentic space? Through our sexual outlets, mm -hmm. right? Through our porn outlets instead of, instead of seeking that space with our spouse because yeah. it's too risky. It's too dangerous. What if they reject me? What if I don't voice it right? Uh, right? I was taught not to air my dirty laundry and not to express these things. Right? This is all part of moving down the path to healthy sexuality, which is a piece of that intimacy puzzle. So I love what you're saying. I can choose to be authentic today in some simple ways. I can choose to be transparent with my, with my partner and with myself. Yes. Right. That's how we begin to move into this space of, of healthy sexuality. Yes. But that's just a part of healthy intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, this is probably another topic for another day, but just kind of hitting at this from a different angle as well. There, along with this choosing piece, there is that recognition, that acceptance that comes along with recovery. Right when we begin to reopen these the different dynamics of these relationships, including the sexual side, if that's been closed off because of hard things, um, there is that element of letting go of their recovery while again reasserting ownership over my own. Mm -hmm. Right, I was having a, conver a conversation very similar to what we're talking about today in my office at, uh, the other day, and it's a common one, it comes up a lot of uh, you know, like, how do I trust him again? right? How do I jump back into this again? What if he hurts me again? And there has to be that acceptance that he very well could, right? The question really becomes, what it really comes down to, is he, you know, doing what he can on his end to be creating safety and healthy space and intimacy, right? Is he engaging in those things in recovery that you need to feel safe and connected and authentic in this relationship? And when you and, and if he if he's not right, then we need to be, be working and changing that. If he is at some level, there is that element of making that choice to say, you know what, he could hurt me again, but I'm doing everything that I can to ensure that's not going to happen. And I have to take him at, you know, I'm, I, you know, and I see a lot of evidence of that. So I am going to choose that he's not going to make those choices. But if he does. Right his lack of authenticity or his betrayal or his whatever doesn't have to disrupt the fact that I still am showing up authentically or intimate or real. In other words, if the sexual experience is somehow more hollow for him and, or not as connected, does that diminish my experience or does it have to diminish my experience? Hmm. Can I let him own his own inauthenticity while claiming ownership for mine? And being empowered and recognizing that, you know, whatever they, they do with that is their business. But I chose, I, uh, this is what I offered up in this experience, whether it's sexual or whatever, right? This is how I was showing up. This is how I was engaging. And if they hurt me, that is on them and I will let them own that, right? It's a bigger topic. There's a lot yeah. more to that that we can't and, it, and if they do, And if they do hurt me and they do, they do um, you know, violate boundaries and so forth, then, of course, there are consequences. Absolutely. I don't just sit and take that over and over and over again. But I do have the choice to show up authentically in this moment and, and live that moment for what it is and can be completely at peace with having done so. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah again that's a huge concept that probably deserves more time than we we're it does of course end, but, of course it does but it's just something to kind of keep in your back pocket right i don't because remember we're moving forward right these relationships are evolving when i first got because oftentimes i know a lot of spouses of addicts one of the things that we fear is oh my gosh if he betrays me it's going to be just like how it was all over again and what we have to keep remembering is you are not the same person that went through that right that went through that before you aren't that same person who hasn't had experience and who doesn't have who didn't have support and who was and who was blindsided because of a lack of knowledge or background or any of the other things that you've picked up along the way right you are different you don't have to internalize or experience those hard things the same way as you did before yep yep and and that there is there can be it can be different so, and if you want, uh, if you want more details on how to do the, these things that we're referring to, be sure to join us over at Dare to Connect Now. Yes, right. That's our that's our online program where Steve and I work with addicts, spouses, and couples three times a week. And so, if you want to know more about that, yep, interactive. Ask us questions. We've got answers. We'll yep. hit on individual topics, all sorts of stuff. So, so go over to Dare to Connect Now and find out more about that and become a subscriber and join with us three times a week where we Love get it. into the depths of, of all these things. Anyway, thanks everybody. Um, yes. We appreciate your, your comments and your, your inquiries through the pbsepodcast.com website. And uh, we'll see you. We'll see you next time. Love it. Have a great week, everybody. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.